Hello and welcome back to Bull and Bear. My name is James Gore and this episode is for the 11th of March 2021. Going to be jumping in some TA on BTC. Um, going to be covering some crazy news from the past 24 hours. Some really bullish things have happened. Um, lots of bullish news actually. Nothing bearish really. But if you are new here of course don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. Um, do leave a comment below. It really helps with the algorithm. And just say hello. Um, so jumping into Bitcoin on the daily time frame, um, it's been a while since I've actually uh, done a video on the channel. So I'll just kind of update things uh, compared to my last video. So I'll run through it relatively quickly. Um, if you remember, I was mentioning how the 5,200, $52,170 US level is key. We got rejected from there, formed a new higher low on the daily time frame, and we've just been climbing, 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 retested, broke above, climbing, climbing, climbing. And we're now approaching uh, our previous all-time high for BTC, which was 57,577, lots of sevens in that number. Um, and it's very straightforward. It seems like we are approaching the time when we could smash through that all-time high. Now, what's very interesting is yesterday the candle closed. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh really, but a lot of longs got liquidated yesterday because there's a lot of overzealousness, especially on Bybits. Well, and on the other ex other exchanges, um, a lot of over-leveraged positions. And um, interestingly enough, um, the candle closed yesterday as a spinning top candle, which basically means we have some body here, a long upper wick, long lower wick, roughly the same size, and then uh, the candle closed. And when I woke up yesterday morning, um, the candle actually looked like a spinning top, but the wicks were much smaller. And it's actually quite similar to um, the candle that's formed today. So um, roughly around the same, same time yesterday, it was, it was you know, the high and low of the wicks yesterday was actually relatively small. And then there was a lot of volatility yesterday. And just so you know, guys, what's happening in the market is um, bulls and the bears are basically wrestling for control. Ultimately, that's what's happening. When price moves up so quick, not so quickly, but moves up so much, then decreases so much, um, strong wrestle, wrestling for control. And that's what we're seeing. And that's a bit of indecision in the markets. However, the one thing we can say about the close of yesterday's candle was that it was a bullish close. And that basically means that there's still momentum. We're seeing increasing volume on this move up. RSI isn't overheated. We're approaching um, a level where we're not seeing much uh, resistance, really, just because we don't have much trading history. So around psychological levels are probably going to make the most sense for where we're going to face some hurdles. So, so we're steadfast approaching 60k. So you know, 59, 500 is likely to be, you know, but between that and 60k is likely to be a bit of resistance. But at the moment, what we're seeing on the daily time frame is an inside bar forming or price compression, uh, which basically means the high and low of today's candle is less than the high and low of yesterday's candle. And of course, today's candle hasn't closed yet, and you can only really make trading decisions based off candles that have closed. So what we do is we drill a bit deep into the four-hour time frame to get a bit of a picture. So if we zoom out a bit, we can see a bit more of the story that has been developing, you could say. If I turn off volume profile as a range just to make things a bit more clean for you. I'm going to remove this red circle as well. Um, I actually did record a video, <laughs> which I didn't post. I recorded it uh, yesterday, and I spoke about how... Um, I, it's, it's funny because I keep recording videos that I don't post because I'm, I'm getting a bit too critical about the content that I'm looking to release. 
which is weird, so I'm going to probably try and stop doing that and just release whatever I release. Um, but I was mentioning how if you were looking for a time to enter the market, it probably would have been uh, when price was uh, responding to this little bounce we had, because I was suggesting that you know typically what we would look to see, look for if you know if we were break, you know approaching a previous resistance level that we got rejected from, is this where we bounce from that level and then there's kind of two opportunities here you even make an entry on the support and resistance flip so what was previous resistance turns into future support so you make an entry there place your stop uh, below where market structure you know is, is the gates your, tr your trading idea or you make an entry based on um, a break of uh, previous resistance so we're kind of seeing that now actually so the latter we're seeing that now because Actually, what I'll do is just clean this up a bit because we're with the spinning top doji. Despite it on the daily time frame, we have spinning top doji. Today, we're seeing a bit of the same where we're, we're testing what was previous resistance um, on the four hour chart. So, the exact same thing is playing out. Yesterday, I mentioned if you were going to make an entry, however, we're probably it probably makes sense to do it here. And the reason is, to be fair, price was, was roughly here. Um, and the reason, the reason being is we're not likely to come down and retest this level because anytime there's a break of previous resistance, the dip buying in this, in this current market condition is so aggressive that it probably won't reach that level for a retest. So even though we don't really have any price history, previous, much price, previous price history, um, you know, a, around this range from 53,100, you know, plus, because we've only just recently approached as all-time high, so it's relatively thin. Um, it would have made sense to make an entry here if you were looking to be test, retest support, even though we weren't really approaching support. That makes sense, um, but that's only because the momentum was so aggressive. Okay, um, and if you were looking to kind of negate that, as you know, where would I place my stops? It would probably be below below uh, previous uh, resistance, because you know the thesis here is that. Um, if buying pressure is so strong, if we do break below previous resistance, then what's likely happened is I was just too much of an aggressive entry, um, and yeah, it's, it's it would have made more sense to kind of wait, wait, wait out the market to see what's going on. But price could have always wicked down, which happens, um, which is what was happening on the daily time frame. So. If you're looking for another opportunity <laughs> to make an entry on BTC, um, again, this is quite an interesting time. There's a few different things you could do. So, um, if you're playing purely playing support and resistance, again, we're, we're just we're just having another retest on the four-hour time frame. So there's potential here for another entry. But if you take a look, an alternative thing you could do is if you're looking to be more of a swing trader, more conservative, you can simply wait for this candle to close. If it's and right now it seems like it's closing, like it's going to be a uh, pennant pattern forming or a series of Ferrami candles, also known as inside bar candles. And what that means is we get we get a lower high, higher low um, on tomorrow's candle until we see a price break in either direction so it could break up it could break down and that way you know when we get a when we um and this is, this is kind of a breakout traders strategy if we break above the previous high then you, you kind of make an entry and you can long that but it's 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 momentum based trading and you have to make sure that we do see volume on these moves if you want to be a bit more conservative and you're looking for an entry um 
you, you simply wait to see how, how this four hour candle closes, if we're gonna find support, and if we're gonna uh, use this as a higher, a higher low, and then we're gonna establish a new higher high. Essentially, that's, that's, that's basically it. Um, volume is tapering off on this period of consolidation on these last four hour candles, which is good. Um, provided we get to see an uptick in volume and price moves up, basically. So hope that makes some semblance of sense. If we're looking for price targets, I suggest you watch some of my previous videos. Basically said 68K makes sense. We did a trend-based Fibonacci extension. Um, 68K, 65K kind of landed. Um, this was based on where this low, low hit previously and the previous moves previous move up. So and I think I actually had that in the newsletter I released as well, which I know, um, which, you know, I think I posted in the description box below. Um, so that's it on, the, on uh, Bitcoin chart. There's lots of opportunity here. Altcoins, I'll quickly look over altcoins, how much time have I spent? I spent eight minutes. Um, oops, let me go to altcoins. So if I go to blah, 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 Ethereum USD, Ethereum versus Bitcoin, because what we want to look for now, guys, is coins that can outperform Bitcoin, because it's, it's highly probable Bitcoin's going to do well. We want to kind of make more. Um, and this is, and I changed changed up my TA on my Ethereum chart. So if you remember my Ethereum chart, my entry was here, this green this green zone. I posted it on TradingView. If you don't follow me on Twitter already, I suggest you do, because I do occasionally post charts. Um, the only thing is I haven't been posting charts because I've been working on the membership sites. Um, by the way, thank you everyone that um, is testing the membership site again for the third time. Um, I know I re received some messages on YouTube. I got a bunch of DMs as well on Twitter. So I responded to them because I realized on YouTube I can't really uh, have a back and forth uh, like I could on Twitter, which is different. So thank you guys. Um, but um, but yeah, I did did a bit of bit of different of a uh, bit of different TA on Ethereum. Basically, um, Ethereum for me has been a bit of a turning point, and around 30,000 satoshis are saying um, I would move some of my Ethereum into some other coins that would be outperforming Bitcoin. Ethereum is quite a long hold position for me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not looking to sell for another 10 years, probably five, 10 years um, with Ethereum unless something drastically wrong was happening. But I do trade Ethereum as well. Um, at the moment, Ethereum is forming a bit of a coil pattern where if we, if we zoom out and we see the absolute bottom, we reached a high, higher low, higher high, higher low, and now it's just a pattern of higher highs and higher lows. The only thing is, this is actually quite a predictable pattern to trade, which is great. Um, and it means that provided Ethereum can kind of maintain support along the way, so when it you know, tackles some of these resistance levels, it's gonna find support again. Um, it's gonna coil up and do really, really well. Um, until we start to move into a corrective phase. And we're actually seeing a similar pattern a lot of these coins. For example, if I go to RSR very quickly, I think I did it on RSR as well on the video I didn't post. RSR was a coin I charted way back when um, uh, that I, put, I get also posted to my Twitter, which is at underscore Bloomberg Twitter. Highly recommend you follow me on there because I do post charts occasionally um, and also provide on-chain data and some insights to the market just to give an idea of where price is going. But this is, another, this is another coin that's been coiling up, reached the double top here, seeing a bit of a pullback, and now we're forming, again, similar to Bitcoin, similar to Ethereum, and a lot of these coins because obviously they're some more correlated to Bitcoin, more correlated to Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera, than others. Um, it's coiling up. Now, if you see what, if you are looking at your altcoins and thinking, okay, how can I outperform, um, you know, which altcoins should I consider? 
what you want to do is compare them to Ethereum because what we're, what we're ultimately looking for is okay Ethereum can well Bitcoin and Ethereum can these coins outperform Bitcoin and are they going to outperform Ethereum and other base pairs? So RSR is an accumulation phase versus Ethereum. At some point, it looks like, you know, you know the common wick-off uh, accumulation pattern, accumulation schematic. Um, at some point, it looks like it's going to trend upwards. Um, this is really useful to do versus some other top uh, cryptos as well. I've gone off on a complete TA tangent, so bear with me, guys. Um, but I just hopefully can give you some some nice... Uh, ideas here for you know deciding how to invest, how to trade, um, if trying to filter through coins. But if we look at the, the, the top ten, right, this constantly shuffles about, okay. But what isn't changing is Ethereum at the number two spot, okay. So if you're if you're thinking from an investment perspective, you want to be thinking, okay, I've got my Bitcoin sorted. I want to const, you know, if if I'm investing or if I'm trading, I'll be adding to the stack periodically periodically over time. I know Ethereum is likely to be doing well through multiple market cycles because it hasn't, be, hasn't been dethroned from the number two spot pretty much since it's reached there. There has been a bit of a flippening, I think, uh, last market cycle, but nothing too, no, there hasn't actually, there hasn't. So it's reasonable to assume that most of the, and you know, we see this with the, on, with the on-chain activity on Ethereum as well, uh, with, with DeFi, with NFTs, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of it's happening on Ethereum. For Ethereum to be dethroned, um, we need to some, need to have another one of these coins, you know, surpass its market cap. Okay, so it's really worth, con you know, c comparing, you know, Binance Coin, Cardano, Dots, Ripple. If you're looking at Ripple, Uniswap's number eight. Jesus Christ, I didn't even realize. Um, some of these coins, you know, Uniswap is actually, you know, one of those coins that could uh, dethrone Ethereum. And the reason why I'm saying this is because the amount of trading volume actually on that exchange is comparable and surpassing other exchanges. Well. I, I haven't checked. I haven't checked that in a while. Let me just qu quickly triple check. But I think uh, the trading volume on Uniswap was more than Coinbase. Now, some people are arguing that that's kind of uh, not wash trading, but the way they were measuring the amounts of trading volume is actually in unreasonable, um, which is fair. I think uh, SBF Almedia, um, Sam Bankman-Fried, I think his name is, uh, CEO, founder of FTX. Exchange kind of uh, posted this on Twitter a little while ago. I think I may have retweeted it. Again, plugging my Twitter on Scorpion um, Bear. And how it was unfair to look at Uniswap's trading volume because the way they measure it's a bit unreasonable compared to all the other exchanges, um, de decentralized exchanges. But back to my main point. Um, if we look at, for example, Binance Coin versus Ethereum, you're going to be thinking, okay, what's the likelihood of Binance coin outperforming Ethereum during this market cycle? Because I want to make, I want to make more money. Um, I want to really outperform Bitcoin. And look, we can see we have, wow, uh, quite an interesting pattern here. And Binance coin is on absolute tear and it looks like it's just broken through its all time high versus the Ethereum pairing. And looks like it's going to continue on to beat Ethereum. Um, at least in the short to medium term, at least for this market cycle. If we take a look at Cardano, ADA versus ETH on Binance, a um, bit of a different story. It's still in that wick of uh, accumulation pattern, actually. So there's still time for Cardano. Um, it's actually looking at, at the retest uh, phase. So I think this is the spring part of the wick of accumulation pattern. Um, and then we should see it actually rocket off. 
completely rocket off. And then we look at polka dot, so dot versus ETH. Kraken. So polka dot is still relatively young. Um, arguably, saying quite easy to say that polka dot's going to gain a lot of market uh, cap. Um, and increase in value versus Ethereum at the moment. Just based on the chart, it looks like it's likely to outperform at this market cycle. Um, so hopefully that gives you guys a bit of an idea in how to kind of filter through some of these larger pairs and make some decisions in terms of um, investing and trading. Um, obviously, if you're, in, if you're trading day-to-day, -day, doing intraday trading, then it's a bit different. You want to kind of look at... Um, some B BC pairing, seeing, look at what's volatile, what do, did well versus the, um, uh, did well versus the agent session, etc., etc., etc. Okay. Um, by the way, this coin looks like it's about to do something interesting. Mithril. Um, not today though. It's already, it's already moved. So anyway, so let's get some news from the past couple of days. I've missed a few days. My last video was last Friday. It's Thursday now, but. Let's jump in. So Coinbase listed Matic, Sushi, and SKL. I have no idea what SKL is. Let me quickly um, take a look on CoinMarketCap. And of course, these coins saw a massive increase. So Scale Network. So I was thinking about this. I was looking at my old videos because I've been learning a bit about YouTube. I've uh, been doing a lot of coding as well. Uh, lots and lots of learning. Lots of learning about NFTs. It's crazy. Getting ready for interview with... Uh, one of my friends, one of my old school friends from my jumping off rooftop days, um, way back when, um, who's a visual artist. I'll be interviewing him this Sunday, so you could probably expect that next week. Um, but he is producing really good work on NFTs. Actually, did post one of his uh, pieces this morning that he did, uh, which amazed me. Um, but yeah, learning a lot about NFTs. But um, the Coinbase effect is still very much real, okay? So coins still pump when they come to Coinbase. And what what you have to think about, or what are the strongest coins in the markets at the moment that aren't listed on Coinbase, that aren't listed on Coinbase? And it's interesting they listed Sushi, SK, or Matic. Um, because you're still going to see the Coinbase pump from them as opposed to the typical you know we see a coin list on an exchange and then we see complete sell off and, and a dump well, i know we're in a bull cycle so you know it's we're likely to see some upside but you know generally speaking when we see coins listed especially on binance uh let's use dot as an example um you know when it when it got listed price completely crashed um maybe dot isn't such a great example because it recovered really really well uh let me think about another coin uh, let's, let's look at RSR. One inch is a perfect example. Okay, RSR is a great example as well because I just had it up. But it gets listed and then the price completely tumbles. Completely tumbles. And bear in mind, these are coins that are listed on other exchanges. So people are buying these coins in these smaller exchanges, sending them to Binance, and then they sell them on Binance because, you know, uh, they're making their money. This is where, you know, the 100x coin, the 200x coin comes in because people are, well, they're not making 100 or 200x unless they're getting in at the, the early angel investment side of things, but um, this is this is how people make a lot of money, flipping these coins, just getting in really early, and Coinbase effect is still real, so Mat Matic saw Matic soared 46%, SK up went 80%, and Sushi rose uh, it doesn't say how much Sushi rose, actually, which is interesting, considering it's in the title of the article. 
Um, 8% it actually said. So think about DeFi, okay, but more importantly, think about NFTs and what chains are the most popular and has the most activity on them and most uh, fr Coinbase friendly NFT blockchains that aren't listed on Coinbase. You'll, they're likely to get listed in the future, maybe in like six to nine months time when the market matures a bit. Um, but realistically speaking, NFTs have been around for some time anyway. So um, a little, little, uh, little, little tip for you there. So another topic of NFTs, keep staying with the topic of NFTs, Beeple NFT at Christie's could fetch as much as $20 million in a record sale. So one of the pieces I covered was uh, in the video I didn't release, which is hilarious, was about the Kings of Leon uh, selling their one-off album for $2 million. Now, and, I, and my point was is that a lot of people are going to see the NFT market as being a bit of a bubble. But when it comes to people that are super fans of an artist's work, how do you value that? Because I guarantee there are people out there that fall into the category of, yeah, they would like to use this as an investment vehicle, but they also really do like the artist. And this is something that they can enjoy as well. You know, if you think about the traditional art space, or I should maybe I should say legacy art now, that's the kind of phrase that we use in the crypto space. Um, one of the reasons people like to invest in art is because they actually get to enjoy the art as well. They invest in artists they like. So it means if, you know, if they can't flip it for more, at least they got value from it for themselves. So um, I think there's another side of this coin, which is when, you know, Beeple's and a lot of these artists work go for quite a bit, um, like 20 million. This is also quite a flex to say, I have this one of one art piece which isn't even really the art piece. I have the NFT, um, and I am so wealthy, I can drop this 20 million on uh, this one artist piece. And, you know, it's a thing you can say to, you know, as a flex, basically. So it's not unreasonable to expect that NFTs, you know, the the floor in the market is probably higher than people expect, because there will be a time when, you know, a lot of this will kind of contract, as with the bear market, or contract. Um, NFTs aren't super new. It's not like they've come out last month or the month before. They've been around for a little while, but they're getting, they're getting quite hot now. The floor is probably higher than people expect because it's art. And how do you put a price on art? That's the thing. So anyway, moving on. So this is huge, okay? And I've been talking about Bitcoin mining from uh, individual perspective for a little while on the channel now, last couple of videos, and that I'm likely to be getting into mining because it's only reasonable if Bitcoin's price is going to be relatively um, crazy. And we see some, you know, if Bitcoin hits a uh, million dollars at some point in the next 20 years or something, um, how can you, okay, let me, let me rephrase this. Say Bitcoin hits 250K this cycle, which isn't unreasonable. That's one of the kind of on track price targets that we're, we're approaching, especially if you look at stock to flow and other models. If you were the average person buying Bitcoin, um, how much Bitcoin would you be able to buy with say 10,000? Well, not that much Bitcoin. Um, or let's say 50,000. Okay. So say Bitcoin was 250,000. You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to buy that much Bitcoin, realistically speaking. So if you had fifty thousand dollars and it was two hundred fifty thousand, but you'd be able, you'd be able to buy a fifth basically. But um, if you were to invest that in mining, 
Mining's not that expensive when Bitcoin reaches prices like that. Okay, and and I know people think Bitcoin mining isn't super profitable. I'm going to get to that in a, a different article in a sec. Bitcoin mining is looking to be extremely profitable, but it is a bull market, and that's how it works. On average, miners last mining hardware lasts three to five years, so at least one market cycle. Um, I've done the math already. Fifty thousand dollars worth of investment will return you in three to five years, um, about one and a half to three Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin is $250,000, um, that's much more of a greater return on investment that you can get if you were just to buy Bitcoin uh, at the time. Now, the, the, tr the question is, is what if you just bought the Bitcoin bottom? Well, where is the floor when Bitcoin's price reaches something like 250000 40k, 50k, maybe. Um, and that's just, that's just uh, I'm just pulling that number out of my head. It's, it's not the actual floor. I haven't actually looked at any metrics and we don't really know until price hits there, market cycle, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, um, at certain prices, it makes more sense to just buy the mining hardware. Um, and, and I feel like we're approaching that point now with BTC if you're the average person. There's a lot I'm going to get into in today's video where stuff with NVIDIA where you might not even be able to mine Bitcoin because they won't provide the mining the mining chips. And this is where the game theory really kicks in. And this is, this is you know, what Michael said has been talking about, where miners will stop sending Bitcoin on the market because they'll just raise a convertible note, raise debt to buy more Bitcoin because the Bitcoin is really scarce. Um, it goes up in value, and that's if they go public. Um, but the reason why I mention this now, because Norwegian billionaire has published a remarkably Remarkably bullish letter on Bitcoin um, says not investing is the riskiest decision possible, and it actually is. And he doesn't just talk about converting some of the treasury to Bitcoin, he actually talks about Bitcoin mining specifically. Okay, so this is an idea I've had in the back of my head since Sailor had the um, spoke about uh, Bitcoin for corporations. That's where mining is kind of I've been thinking about it because how else can you get Bitcoin if they're not selling it anymore? If, if, if you look at Coinbase's, Coinbase Exchange. How is it possible Michael Saylor um, has bought more Bitcoin than Coinbase owns? You know, Coinbase only has $130 million worth of Bitcoin. Yes, people buy and sell Bitcoin on Coinbase so that, you know, there's there's free flow of exchange there. But what happens when we reach a tipping point where people aren't willing to sell their Bitcoin? Coinbase has to produce Bitcoin to sell. Supply shock dries up. Price goes crazy. And then it reaches a point where there just isn't enough Bitcoin to sell um, and you know I'll get to this in a separate video at some point but um, I know I'm going off the tangent but it's, it's, it's so important um, in terms of Bitcoin's life cycle and it these things are likely to happen in its history before it becomes uh, universal uh, money if it does reach um, very e it basically reaches a point where it's very easy to use as money so store value first money second so so if you do want more bitcoin um mining is is likely going to be ha have to be the avenue because as traders we won't even be able to have access to bitcoin anymore we won't be able to there might be a point when we won't be able to trade for more bitcoin um so anyway Norwegian Tycoon says CT is launching with a capitalization of 58.8 million, which it plans to increase over time. Rock says the company has a threefold strategy for its crypto investments. According to the billionaire, the first step is to become hodlers. He says, and I quote, 
First, we'll use Bitcoin as our treasury asset to join the community. In Bitcoin speak, we will be hodlers. We will be different, but additive. Perhaps not as rebellious as the cypherpunks who invented Bitcoin, but much more progressive than most established corporates. The team at CT is already running open source Bitcoin payment servers, likely to be BTC Pay Server, and will remain active contributors in the community. This is huge. This is the thing with Bitcoin as well. I need to say, once people get Bitcoin, own Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, this includes corporations, they get invested in success, because of the monetary elements, the game theory elements. So it's not unreasonable to see corporations investing in the infrastructure, investing in you know open you know open source, like just donating to developers and et cetera, et cetera. So the next uh, second kind of aspect of their plan is um, establishing mining operations that can transfer stranded or intermittent electricity without stable demand locally, wind, solar, hydropower to economic assets that can be used elsewhere. Bitcoin is, in our eyes, a load balancing economic battery and batteries are essential to the energy transition required to reach the targets of the Paris Agreement. Our ambition is to be a valuable partner in renewable projects and this is why uh, the Bitcoin is melting oceans argument is ridiculous. Um, last point in terms of their plan. Third, we will build and invest in projects and companies in Bitcoin's ecosystem. This is where our true passion is. Our home game is industrial applications, but we also believe nicely designed modern user interfaces will enable new applications where the transactions happen. I am particularly interested in micropayments and how these may enable us to avoid usernames and passwords and our personal data being monetized with and often without our knowledge or consent. And this is the thing. Once these large companies really do get invested, the ease of use and ability to pay with Bitcoin, use Bitcoin, send and receive Bitcoin is going to go exponential. We're already at a tipping point with the Lightning Network where um, in being able to interact with it is um, easy. It's actually easy. If you use Bottle Pay or, or Strike by Jack Mallers, um, I use Bottle Pay because Strike's not available in Europe. Bottle Pay, I can buy Bitcoin dollar cost average in hourly weekly, uh, hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, I can send and receive a single Satoshi to anyone in the world. I've been sending single Satoshis to friends, having them send it back, and it doesn't cost anything to uh, the user at the moment, just because fees are less than, than a single Satoshi, because bear in mind, Bitcoin is divisible. It's divisible infinitely. So fees are so low at the moment. That's going to change in the future. Fees will increase, but they increase with the price of Bitcoin anyway. So lastly, he talks about risk. Okay. So risk is not an obvious concept. What's commonly considered risky is frequently not, and vice versa. We are used to thinking that cash is risk-free, but it's not. It's implicitly taxed by inflation at a small rate every year. It adds up. Bitcoin may still go to zero, but it can also become the core of a new monetary architecture. If so, one Bitcoin may be worth millions of dollars. The asymmetry is interesting to a portfolio. People who know the most about Bitcoin believe its future success is, is nearly inevitable, and it's kind of true. So this is huge because one of the uh, most richest uh, Norwegians out there has a has a huge business. But um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Okay. I'm going to try and smash through the rest of the news in the last 10 minutes. Um, a lot of news to get through, and I'll give, my, I'll give my, my input. So, Goldman Sachs predicts an explosion in the use of digital currencies. Um, I believe it's Goldman Sachs, or is it JP Morgan? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Goldman Sachs, one of these companies, one of the two, it's all the same to me. Um, they have, um, oh yeah, they've opened up their trade, crypto trading desk recently. They've also, I believe, opened up a, uh, they're creating a, um, basket 
of Bitcoin exposed assets uh, on the stock markets like MicroStrategy, Raya Blockchain, etc., etc., et Square, etc. So people can get more exposure to to Bitcoin through these companies. So it's going to be a, like a bit of an index. And uh, it means people can basically invest in the volatility and the growth of this space without actually having their fingers in this space, which is a nice um, a nice gateway to um, actually participating in this space. Next up, uh, we'll skip the JP Morgan one. So we're talking about India. So in India's government has said they're going to ban bitcoin and you know we've had other com other countries try to ban bitcoin for example china the most authoritarian states in the world with cctv um i can't remember what their um uh, what's it called i can't remember what it's called with their human rating but there was a nice black mirror episode that was uh the equivalence if you watch black mirror i think you know what i'm talking about but um China can ban Bitcoin. Bitcoin, you know, Nigeria banned Bitcoin and went up 60% because it doesn't stop people from exchanging Bitcoin. What it does is, is prevent the crypto on and off ramps and make it harder for innovation in the country. So there's been a great article written, uh, a few articles written actually on this topic. And after that, internet, the Internet and Mobile Association of India is appealing to the government to not ban crypto because, of course, it's going to cost them. India is a very tech forward uh, country. Um, and it's just going to stifle innovation. Next piece of news. This was news I was talking about NVIDIA. So um, according to a recent note shared by RBC Capital Markets analyst Mitch Steves, NVIDIA would actually make more money from mining Ethereum itself than selling its new chips that are specifically designed for minting the token. The Santa Clara-based tech company could potentially bank up to $200 million by churning out the largest altcoin internally. Isn't that interesting, guys? Um, what happens when you can't get the chips for the mining equipment? Uh, we have, we'll have problems, we'll have supply shocks in the market. So um, if I did mention in the previous video that if, you know, Ethereum is uh, limiting, sorry, NVIDIA is limiting Ethereum mining on their, their current sets of chips because they're going to release hard, uh, specific chips and graphics cards to, uh, to mine Ethereum more efficiently. Um, and they said that was to kind of help protect gamers so that they can game. Actually, what it means is they just want to move into another niche market and make money, which is fine. Nothing wrong with making money. But um, this is very interesting because if if this kind of needle drops and, and, and drops, of course, if, you know, NVIDIA are going to be releasing uh, gaming graphics cards and graphics cards for people. But um, if they're incredibly inefficient at mining Ethereum and other cryptos, then... Uh, we're going to have some problems in, in this space um, for the mining firms because there'll be a bit of centralization from companies like NVIDIA. So there has to be some kind of competition uh, in the market. I'm not too savvy when it comes to the different chip makers uh, that are creating or what chips people use to mine Ethereum other than NVIDIA's uh, graphics cards. So, uh, Grayscale Bitcoin ETF rumors swell amid new job postings. So, uh, keep this one short and sweet. Um, Grayscale Investments recently posted a slew of new job openings, all geared towards ETF, Exchange Traded Fund, speciality positions. The ETF market is roaring with new competitors catering to consumer demands. So, remember when I said that um, Grayscale isn't going to be able to sell their Bitcoin. Um, and we've seen Grayscale trading at negative premium, which basically means it isn't strong in uh, institutional uh, interests 
in acquiring Bitcoin via the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust? Well, they convert to an ETF. Uh, it will be the first ETF in the United States. Of course, there is a Canadian ETF, so North America already has exposure. But it will mean that there will be the first Bitcoin and possibly crypto ETF um, that people can get, can get exposure to uh, with such scale. And because they already have the Bitcoin there, it's just going to grow. So this is, this is huge news. Um, I think there was a new ETF proposed to the SEC by uh, the Winklevoss again, and it was, um, I can't remember which version of it was, but um, an ETF is on the horizon. We're closer than we've ever been. Do we need an ETF? No, but it just means that institutional investors will get more exposure to Bitcoin, basically. And it also means that we're not going to see Bitcoin sold onto the market by these institutions because they're going to find a way to keep hold their Bitcoin because they know long-term Bitcoin makes sense. Next up, physical Bitcoin notes could be around the corner. Now, physical Bitcoin has actually already existed for quite some time. Um, you know, there's some special art pieces that I've seen being created, like physical pieces of art, where people um, embed uh, a particular amount of Bitcoin in the art, and then you have to actually destroy the art to be able to scan the code. And the art at the time of, of uh, buying is worth more than the Bitcoin loaded up into it. So it's encouraging hodling, basically. And you get to enjoy the art. And it's really, really smart. It's really cool. However, we're seeing... Um, actually, I saw a different different coin. Um, however, um, physical Bitcoin is also something. I think this is really cool as well. I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but they had actual cash notes of Bitcoin where it was very, very high-quality notes. But of course, they're only worth one use because once the the the, the code is scanned, all the value is going to be sucked out of the wallet and moved elsewhere and transferred elsewhere. So, out of the or out of the note. So, very cool ideas. I think in a world where cash is becoming uh, less and less prominent, and you know the digitization of money is there. I think I think 10% of the total cash supply is physical. 90% is digital. Last time I checked, I think I was like last year, last year, December, November. Um, introducing physical Bitcoin is interesting. Some people only can deal with the physical. Um, you know, something that's tangible to them makes sense. And Bitcoin is quite a, a hurdle to get over in terms of its tan, you know, it not being tangible in the, in the conventional sense and understanding where its value is. So maybe this will help some people. But if you're a collector, this is kind of niche. This is kind of cool. Um, Last pieces of news, which I shall jump on. So this is really big. So bill to exempt crypto from securities laws reintroduced into Congress. So Warren Davidson introduced version 3.0 of the Token Taxonomy Act, which he previously sponsored in 2018 and 2019. So though changes have been made to this bill, so Representative Warren Davidson has reintroduced the Token Taxonomy Act, a bill that would make certain cryptocurrency tokens and other digital assets exempt from U.S. security laws. This represents the third attempt by the Ohio Congress and the House of Representatives to take up the issue. He introduced it in late 2018 at the end of the legis legislative session, being in reintroducing it with minor tweaks in 2019, has been scheduled for a House vote. So what would be the implications of this? Well, it means that there would be... It's funny because this only really applies to U.S. securities law, and it means it would help the U.S. economy and innovation if this were to pass, because it would allow projects let more, provide projects with more regularity, clarity, regulatory clarity in terms of 
what they can and can't do. As we know, Ripple at the moment is going through a lawsuit uh, with SEC. They are fighting back with some really funny arguments, but likely what's the worst is going to happen is a fine. Ripple isn't going anywhere. Um, they might get delisted from some US on and off ramps. So, you know, it would that would make sense. I don't think they're delisted from every exchange, but there are international exchanges where you can trade XRP anyway if they were to be deemed a security or breaking securities law. So um, this is important because regulatory clarity helps, helps with um, projects being developed and will attract, for example, Wyoming, Texas, Florida. Um, those are crypto friendly places from a tax perspective, but also in terms of a business operational perspective. And it, it attracts um, come businesses to move because these cryptocurrency projects they they are geolocation agnostic okay they they can be based anywhere there's some advantages to them being based in certain places as a re i'm talking about being registered as a company but truth be told they can they can operate from anywhere um generally speaking mining is a bit different because you know you need physical hardware but if you're creating software you know you can do that pretty much from anywhere so um, this would only benefit the states that do this and obviously America and and this extrapolates to every other country. Don't forget, guys, people look at uh, U.S. securities law um, as the kind of example to base their securities law on or base their laws on uh, locally. So if this passes fantastic if it doesn't that's fine it just means that the us won't be benefiting as much from probably what's going to be the most innovative innovative uh sector in the next decade which i think is is fair to assume with crypto so that's it for this video guys hope you enjoyed it um don't forget to like comment and subscribe and do leave a comment below because it does really help with the algorithm i'll be coming at you uh sometime soon i don't know when but i'll be dropping a video probably tomorrow to be fair giving a bit of an update and then i'll be interviewing my friend socks this weekend on sunday um and then hopefully releasing that interview for you next week catch you very soon wishing you all the best again don't forget to follow me on twitter at underscore bull and bear see you soon